0: Bokertov, good morning. Welcome everyone to the Aliyah Day. I am glad that you are here. It's a joy to be with you. This is the Aliyah Day, the daily study of the Torah portion, uh, the study of God's Word, the uh, sharing of uh, amazing insights and illuminations and revelations. Uh, It's a joy and a pleasure and an honor to be with you on the The civil calendar anyway not the religious calendar not but the civil calendar and this is a new year it is uh, 2020 and not only is it a new year but it's a new decade so this is the first Aliyah of the decade and so what a wonderful uh, way in which to start your decade with the study of the Word of God and particularly Uh, the Torah and studying about uh, Yosef, may uh, may it be God's will that Hashem should continue to give you joy and good news and uh, favor and provision and blessing, life and health and holiness and and wholeness during the rest of 5780 through uh, all of 2020 and through the entire decade, may God bless each and every one of you, and uh, help us all to fulfill our mission uh, on the earth. Baruch Hashem. So we are here reading the. It is already the fourth day of the week. Week? Can you believe it? The fourth day of the week. We're reading therefore the fourth aliyah, and I have uh, lots of insights, lots of things to share more patterns to reveal. Uh, It just, it seems like it gets better and better and better uh, as we go along. So if you have the Art School of Humash, uh, we are going to be reading on page uh, 255. So welcome. By the way, this is an international program. That's the way Hashem has arranged it. We have people who uh, are watching and tuning in from everywhere from Australia to Holland to the United Kingdom, uh, all across the United States. This is a national holiday in Los Estados Unidos, so most people have off today. Uh, So uh, that's good. So most people are at home drinking a cup of coffee, uh, listening to the Aliyah Day, and some people even listen to the Aliyah Day on their refrigerator. Which is, as they said, very cool. Uh-huh. All right, so page 255. Uh, our smart refrigerators today. They're, they're amazing. Soon they'll be able to make us a bowl of cereal. So it says in uh, chapter 45, beginning in verse 19, we begin reading the uh, fourth Aliyah. Revi'i. Yom revi. This is what the parasha says. La palabra Dios dice, and you are commanded to say, Do this. Take for yourself, for the land of Mitzrayim, wagons for your small children and for your wives. This is what Pharaoh was telling, um, telling, uh, you know, that Yosef and his brothers. I want you to take the stretch limousine want you to make sure that you uh, pack only the best water from, uh, from Egypt, right? The best Egyptian Evian. You're supposed to take it with you. Pack the best uh, wine, you know, all of that from Egypt. Pack it well and uh, take it down there with a couple of uh, cargo trucks to your family. It says take it, uh, transport your father and come. And let your eye not take pity on your belongings. Don't worry about your stuff. We've got it. We checked it first class, medallion level. It says, for the best of all the land of Egypt is all yours. Capiculo, or excuse me, verso bente. For our Sephardic Jews out there. The sons of Israel did so. And Yosef gave them wagons by Pharaoh's word, and he gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of clothing, But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and 500, or excuse me, 500, that would be my wife, five changes of clothing. There we go. And to his father, to his father he sent the following, ten he donkeys laden with the best of Egypt and ten she donkeys laden with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. And he sent off his brothers, and they went, and he said to them, Do not become agitated on the way. They went up from Mitzrayim and came to the land of Canaan, to Yaakov, their father. And they told him, saying, Yosef is still alive. Can you imagine the news? Right? Yeshua lives. Yosef is still alive. Not only is he alive. Not only is he alive, but he's ruler over the land of Egypt. I mean, remember, I I just want to emphasize yet again that this is the brother that they said would never be a ruler over us. Would never be king. In fact, we sold him in the slave. We made sure We handed him to the Romans and said, crucify him. We wanted to be sure that his dreams would never come true. And while he was there on the crucifixion stake, we said, now, if you're such uh, the Mashiach, you say you are, come down and save yourself. We mocked him. We laughed at him. We ridiculed him. Said, there's no way you're going to be king over us. That's never, ever going to happen. We hated his guts with a passion. Turns out he's alive. In fact, he's ruling over Egypt. A Jew is ruling over Egypt. You realize what they're saying. I want you to think about the impact they're saying. They're going home to their father, and they're telling their father, our brother, our brother, by the way, th- let's not forget an important point, and that is that Yosef was the image of Jacob. Yes. Just, I, I, I went over that. Uh, uh, Couple of, uh, I'm not sure when, a couple weeks ago maybe. That just like Isaac was the exact image, as it were, he was an identical twin, if you will, of Abraham. Joseph was looked like Jacob. He was the image of Jacob. So, so they're going home and telling the father, "Wait a minute, our brother, the image of the father." Is sitting on the throne in Egypt. He's ruling over Egypt. And by the way, Dad, all the Egyptians are following him in in the religious faith. They're, they've all become circumcised. They're all obeying the Torah. I, I mean, here we are minding our own business in Kana'an, teaching our kids Torah and the yeshiva. And, you know, they're learning, t- teaching all of our Jewish family here how to follow Torah. Meanwhile, in Egypt, there is this uh, guy sitting on the throne ruling over them who happens to be the image of our father. It turns out that he's our brother that we rejected and said, no way, you rule over us. And meanwhile, he's been in Egypt leading all the Egyptians to follow God and the Holy Torah. And look, he gave us all this stuff. And check out the stretch limo out there. The license plate says Yeshua. It says, "But his his heart rejected it, for he could not believe them." So now we have ya- Yaakov, which, who doesn't believe it, like Thomas. There's no way. I saw him crucified. By the way, I think it was uh, it was Patricia who said on the chat that when. Uh, Yosef said don't be afraid come come unto me and and so on I didn't share the insight yet but and we'll get to it maybe I'll come across it uh, again but there's an insight that says that when he came to him to, to them that he revealed to them understand it's private it's just him and his brothers okay men and men so he revealed to him, to them his circumcision And when Yeshua said to Thomas, though it is me, come, look, come close. He revealed to him the marks in his flesh. Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's a very similar pattern. Yosef revealed to his brothers the marks in his flesh, that is the circumcision, to prove to them that in fact he was who he says he was. Which means what? Which means that all the other Egyptians that he had had circumcised all these many years were also full-fledged Jews. Why? Because that was proof in the pudding, so to speak, that he was in fact Jewish. So it says um, he could not believe it. However, when they revealed to him all the words that Yosef had spoken to them, and he saw the wagons that Yosef had sent to transport them, then the spirit of the father of their father Jacob was revived. What were the words? Well, the sages bring down. That they related to him, they related to Jacob, the last um, Torah discussion that they had had that, that Joseph and Yah, Yo- uh, excuse me, that Jacob and Yosef had had. They, they revealed to him this last discussion so that Yosef could prove to his father that it was, in fact, him, because who else would know the last Torah discussion they had but Yosef? And it says that Jacob's spirit was revived. Why? Well, partly because Joseph was alive. But the other reason why it was revived was because he realized, and this is an important pattern, he realized not only was he alive, that's, that's, that's one thing, he's alive, great. But he was also still spiritually alive. In other words, he was still, he still remembered and still was teaching the Torah that his father taught him. That was a critical piece. Because just being alive physically is not what's important. What's, a, what's important is, it, are we alive spiritually? Because there's many people who are alive, yet they're not living. And so when ya- Yaakov's spirit was revived when he realized that his son was not only alive, but it was still remembering um, the Torah that he had he had learned. So in verse 20 it says, And Israel said, How great! My son Yosef still lives. I shall go and see him before I die. Now, that's the end of our reading. And let me get right to the insights because there's, quite a lot I want to share first let me let, let's um, let's see what shall I do first let me do this one first where are we that's gonna be in the Keho Tumash Sleeka let me grab that right quick hmm talks amongst yourselves here we are all right so um, this is the Keho Tumash and there's a pattern here talking about the camels and all the goodies that uh, was that Yosef sent to his father as part of the gifts, right? So it says here that he sent these donkeys laden down with various things. And the insides say that one of the items that was placed upon the donkeys was aged wine, aged wine, because... It talks about that the, the older people, people that are more mature, that have gray in their beard, just saying, enjoy fine aged wine, but the wine is an allusion to Torah secrets as well. It says, wine alludes to the secrets of the Torah, as it says, a delicacy particularly enjoyed by the elderly. That is, the elderly meaning that is the wise. So it says, Yosef was, so in other words, aged wine, this is the illusion from, a, from a, a Jewish point of view, aged wine equals Torah knowledge. So it says, Yosef was thus hinting that through descending to Egypt, Israel would merit to receive the wine of Torah at Mount Sinai. So it says, in this context, now as I read this, I want you to think about Yeshua Riding a donkey, why a donkey of all animals? I know it's prophesied in Zechariah chapter 9, but other than that, why a donkey? Why not a horse? Why not a mule? Why not an oxen? Why does he ride a donkey? So it says here, in this context, the donkey, the proverbial beast of burden, symbolizes the idea of accepting the yoke of Torah. That is, committing yourself to study the Torah more than we would do so for sheer pleasure. So in other words, the Messiah is the Torah. He is the aged wine. He's, he's the, by the way, the Torah, or, or, or excuse me, the wine, rather, that, that we're going to receive at the wedding supper of the Lamb, the sages bring down, is going to be aged wine that God made from the grapes of Eden in the beginning. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that, that kind of a don perion? What that's going to taste like, wine. Can you imagine as we're sitting there eating with Mashiach, eating with all the apostles, eating with all the patriarchs, eating with all the heroes of the Bible, and we all stand up to say Kiddush, which is led, by the way, by Mashiach, and in our Kiddush cup is the wine that God made from the grapes of Gan Eden in the Garden of Eden in the beginning. Wow. So this is what Mashiach is. He's the wine of Torah riding upon the, the, the donkey that symbolizes our willingness to accept the yoke of Torah. So when the Mashiach is riding to Yerushalayim, that is the Torah riding upon the yoke if we will accept him. And if we do then our Torah observance will be light and easy. See, one of the lies of the enemy is that Torah is a burden, or it's hard or difficult. That is a lie of the enemy because it's the exact opposite of what the Torah says, what the Bible says, what the Scripture says, what your Bible, your B-I-B-L-E says. It's also the exact opposite of of what the Messiah said. So if you think about it, the theological idea that the Torah is too hard or burdensome or, you know, it's a heavy yoke, etc. That very idea is anti-Messiah. To put it a different way, to, to help people in their... You know, some people are new, they're coming from other places. They're brand new. Let me just put it like this. It's Antichrist. The very idea that the Torah is a burden, the Torah is hard, it's too difficult. If you think about it, given the fact that that that, that idea is completely against what the scripture says, and it's complete opposite, it's the exact opposite of what Messiah said, it's an Antichrist theology. It's an anti-Messiah theology. So if one accepts that, if they say, no, nope, nope, it's a burden, it's a burden, what they are accepting is the teachings of the anti-Messiah. Another insight here. It says the aged wine was wine that Yosef had stored. Listen to this insight, <laughs> Are you sitting down? This is not a time to put toast in the toaster. It could be dangerous. It says the aged wine was wine that Yosef had stored in anticipation of his reunion with his father by sending him some of this wine. Yosef indicated to his father that although he had forsworn wine the day they were separated, he trusted in God that one day they would be reunited, and he therefore prepared wine for the occasion. (laughs) On the day that Messiah was separated from us, the day that he was arrested and taken to the kangaroo court trial that was completely illegal, held at night and so on. On that very day, he said, I will not drink of this cup of wine again until I drink it with you when we see each other in Shemayim. That is exactly what Yosef did. He said, I'm not going to drink wine again until I'm reunited with my father and brothers. And therefore he made wine and prepared it for that day, just like Hashem prepared wine in the garden and prepared it for the day when we would drink it anew with Mashiach in the heavenly realms. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, I've got another insight here. I've been meaning to share for weeks, in fact. It's been relevant for the last several weeks Uh, weeks, and every time I sit down, um, usually I think about it, and it's on the shelf in my office, which is uh, opposite this computer here, so kind of weird for me to get up and get it, but anyway, so it says, um, this is, first of all, I just want to begin with this insight, because this is a, a insight from the book of Zerubbabel, Sefer Zerubbabel, and as I've said multiple times that there's a false idea that exists that, um, in, in Judaism uh, that when the Mashiach comes, uh, it's going to be a day of uh, joy. Everybody's going to be happy. All of the big time leaders are going to accept him that it'll be uh, unicorns and um, marshmallows, and it'll be wonderful, okay? So the fact, so so therefore, the premise is, the fact that Yeshua showed up and we rejected him completely, uh, and none of the leaders were excited about him, and uh, whatever, whatever, that was proof positive that this was the Mashiach. Because obviously when the Mashiach comes, we're all going to be like, yay, and it's going to be exciting, and ugh, right? Wrong. It's the exact opposite, actually. The fact that Messiah came and everybody hated him and rejected him was actually proof positive that he was the Mashiach. But, before I get there, let me share this, because it's all part of the same um, portion from this uh, Sefer Zerubbabel. Memtet addresses Zerubbabel in Rome. Now, Memtet is... Actually, in our opinion, in my opinion, this is Mem- Memtet is actually Yeshua the Mashiach. And so this is what it says. Memtet addresses Zerubel in Rome. I am he who led Abraham all over the land of Canaan. I am he who redeemed Isaac. What does that mean? It means I took his place on the altar. Uh, yes, that's what that means. And who struggled with Jacob at the fort of Jabuk? This was the, the, the person with whom Jacob wrestled. And I am he who led Israel in the desert for 40 years in the name of the Lord. And I am he who appeared to Joshua in Gilgal, the one who stood before Joshua with the drawn sword and Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And he said, neither. I command the hosts of heaven. And Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. It says, I am also he whose name is like the name of his master and who and his master's name is in me. Now, it is this Memtet who is talking to Zerubbabel and telling him these things. First of all, he says, he's talking about that uh, it says here that that the Messiah is the, the Messiah who is the son of Ephraim. Now, that is Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. that's the tribe of Joseph. So it's talking here about Messiah, son of Joseph, is hidden. Where was he hidden? And the answer is, and according to Sefer Zuberbel, he's hidden in Tiberias. Now, if you've been to Israel, you'll note that Tiberias is on the Sea of Galilee, and just north of Tiberias, it's a short drive, I'm not, I've driven it, I'm not sure, it's just short, I mean, within a, a few minutes, you reach the little town of uh, Capernaum, which is where Yeshua's headquarters was for his ministry. So that is where the Messiah, son of Yosef, is hidden. But this is what I wanted to get to, it says this. Um Menachem, Menachem ben Amliel, that is the Mashiach Menachem means comforter, it's another, another name of Mashiach Listen to this, it says We'll come suddenly in the month of Nisan And we'll stand in the plain of Arbel now, What's Where's Arbel? Arbel is the Galilee That's another name for Galilee and all the sages of Israel will go out to him. Where they go? To Galilee. Sound familiar? Did, did it did, was I mean did they ever go out to Galilee to talk to him? I think they did, didn't they? It says, all the sages of Israel will go out to him and will say to him and, and, and will say to them, he will say to them, excuse me, I am son of Amiel the Mashiach, whom the Lord has sent to give you good tidings and to save you from the hand of your oppressors. And it says here, and the sages will look and will despise him as you despised him and will not believe in him. That is what it says in the Sefer of So quite contrary to the idea that when the Mashiach comes, we're all going to just... Um, love him to pieces, Um, turns out that that is not exactly it at all. I want to point out something else here. I wanted to share another insight, if I may, from uh, Pituke Hotem. Pituke Hotem. It says, um, this is an idea with respect to where, where do we find forgiveness? So it says... This is to verse forty, excuse me, chapter 44, verses 19 through 21, where it says, My Lord has asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or brother? And we said to my Lord, We have an elderly father and a young child of his old age, and his brother is dead, left alone, etc. So it says, Our sages describe that in the future, Adonai will say to Abraham Avinu, Your children have sinned. And Abraham... Avinu will respond, let them be wiped out for the sanctification of your name. Adonai will say the same to Yaakov, your children of sin, and Yaakov will respond, let them be wiped out for the sanctification of your name. Afterward, Adonai will say the same thing to Isaac, Yitzhak. But Yitzhak will find a way to judge the Jewish people favorably. This is according to Shabbat 89b. So he's going to find a way to judge the people favorably. What way is he going to find? And this is the answer. Therefore, (coughs) we mention Akedat Yitzhak all the time in our prayers, and in its merit, harsh and evil decrees against us are nullified. In other words... The favorable way with which God, uh, that Isaac found rather, to judge the children of Israel, that favorable way was vis-a-vis his sacrifice on the altar. In other words, when the image of the Father was offered up on the altar, it made atonement for the children. That, my friends, is a pattern I just wanted to highlight. Now there's another insight from Pitukehotem. Actually, two more. This one comes from chapter 45 and capitulo or verso uno. Joseph, it says, could not restrain himself in the presence of all who stood before him. So he called out, remove everyone from before me. Thus, no one remained with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So, uh, excuse me, I've got to hide somebody. On the channel, there we go. So it says here, uh, perhaps this alludes to the end of days whose arrival has been delayed due to our many sins. It says nearly every chance for redemption has passed by and we are still waiting. So it says Hashem too is waiting and our eyes turn to Him until He will have mercy upon us. So it says, Hashem waits expectantly to return to us and have mercy on us. He is pained for his Shekinah and for us. Now listen to this. Now the Shekinah is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the glory of God. It says he's pained for the Shekinah and for us. What? It says, what's causing the delay? It says, the attribute of justice is leaving accusations, leveling rather, accusations, nevertheless, We trust in his great mercy that he will redeem his Shekinah and his people. You know, Yeshua said, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Why did he say that? Because Yeshua represents the Shekinah of God. The Shekinah of God and God are one and the same. I mean, it is God, right? not a separate being, God forbid, a separate deity, God forbid. And yet, it's separated from God and in exile from us, or with us, rather. So Yeshua said, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. And when God is going to redeem us, he's going to redeem us and the Shekinah. Which means that there is a redemption from Messiah. In other words, the son that was sold into slavery needs to be brought back to his proper place. That is, the son of Israel and the king of Israel. Finally, it says here, the main reason, this is just to reiterate something we've gone over many times, but it's worth repeating. From Petuque Holtum to, to verse 45, 7 through 9, it says, the main reason why the Jewish people went down to Egypt was to gather the sparks of holiness that were there. And Yosef accomplished this when he was tested by Potiphar's wife. And yet remained exotic, Yeshua is a pattern Yeshua, his Yeshua, Yeshua's main mission, the reason he was sold into slavery, so to speak, was to gather in the holy sparks. That's me, and that's you, and countless tens of thousands that are coming to Lapid Judaism. He accomplished this when he was tested for forty days by the Satan in the wilderness and yet did not bow to him. End of our Aliyah today. God bless you. Enjoy your day off, if you have a day off. And uh, may you have a great, wonderful, and amazing day. Thank you for joining me with God's help. We'll be back tomorrow for the fifth reading and more insights. Shalom and blessings.